following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. It's Sunday. Man, I got to be honest, we had a lot of sleeper enters in the 9 a.m. service today. That time change just wrecked some people's world. Just, but not this service. You got to sleep in and come to church. Come on. Yeah, hey, I'm not sure that's a compliment, but the fact that you're in church is a compliment. Sleeping in, I don't know how much, the older I get, the less, you know, I, I realize I just have less time in the day the longer I sleep. So I, this is way too much information. I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but if you're wondering when Brad Wilkinson is most productive, it is in the morning. Is anybody else like morning, like productive people? Not really. Okay. Where's my, where's my like late nighter productive people? Oh man. I see like spouses holding the other one's arm up. That's great. Well, I hope the spring break is off to a great start. Um, I hope that you set your clocks in the right direction. By the way, I do, I enjoy this direction. I love the fact that we get more daylight in the evenings, but I don't like this day in the sense that I lose an hour of sleep. Uh, but other than that, it's a, it's a fantastic day to see you in church, and uh, we don't take it lightly that you're here. We're excited that you're here today on a holiday weekend, and I'm excited about what God's going to do in the house today. Now, let me be really transparent with you. Um, on Thursday, and I love the way that Pastor Johnson says it, on Thursday, God called an audible uh, in my spirit. I, I was going to go in a certain direction for the next few weeks leading up to Easter. And on Thursday, uh, and this, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual, so please understand that. It's not, it's not all the time that God does this, but he said, not today. And I, I've got something else that I want you to share. And in fact, when I started kind of figuring out where we were going and what I was feeling from the Lord, I questioned him. I said, why today, Lord? Uh, Why today? And he didn't give me that answer. So (laughs) I just said, okay, here we go. But um, let me me just kind of tell you where I'm at and where we're going today. So from the beginning of the year, really early on in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, the, you know, I, there, there's just been this excitement and it, ex- expectancy in my spirit. And I, I couldn't, and I haven't really been able to put my finger on it. Um, you know, I, I haven't really had, had words to express the way that I was feeling. And if I couldn't explain it to myself, I knew at some point that I needed to share how I was feeling with you, but I couldn't even explain it to me, so I sure couldn't explain it to you. And I love how the Lord works. Have you ever been in a conversation? This happens with Cassie and I all the time, more so with me than it does her because she just seems to have it much more together than me. But we're we're talking and she makes a comment and then like it triggers some random thought and comment from me. She's like, how... How in the world did you just say that from where I was? Do you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? And you have to, you go through this whole thing in your mind, like she said something and I have to explain it now. Well, you said this word that made me think of this, which made me think of this and then this, and it got me to the comment that I'm at right now. Anybody, am I by myself on this? No, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. 
Well, this, I feel like, has kind of been the process that the Lord has been piecing some things together for me over the last couple of months, and I, I want to take today to share with you how he's been putting this together in the process uh, of how I feel like he has put words around what I've been feeling in my spirit. And so knowing that I've had this excitement and this uh, expectancy and this anticipation in my spirit and knowing that, that I couldn't really put my thumb on it, um, throughout just the course of that time and studying and even just random things, to be honest with you, nothing intentional sometimes, there kept this, just, this theme just kept popping up to me and I really wasn't thinking that much about it um, until Thursday when I just felt the Lord bring it all together. Um, but, but water has been just popping out at me for some reason. When I would read stories in the Bible, the, the word water and the, the whole idea of, of water would just jump off the, the pages of scripture. And it's, it's fascinating if you haven't really thought about it how much water is involved in some of the most amazing stories throughout the word of God. Take some time to think about it for just a second. In some form or fashion, it's really a fascinating thing. And we're first introduced to the concept of water in the very beginning of the book of Genesis, verse number two of chapter one. The Bible says that the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then again, in verse number six, we read that God separates the water. So think about water for a second, right? We do a lot with water, don't we? You can swim in water. You can put your boat in water. You wash your hands in water. We shower with water, hopefully. We use water to cook with. Think about it, let's keep going. People will take like they will save money for an entire year to take trips based around water. We will pay good money to go to the beach, and I love the beach, to sit in a chair <laughs> in the sand, and I love sand, but sand makes a mess. Sand's a lot like snow. It's really cool at first, and then it just gets annoying after a little while, right? Because sand is everywhere. Like, how did sand get all the way back in Austin? And I haven't, you know, traveled with me wherever you were at. If you were in Florida or, you know, at the coast, wherever, it, just, it travels. With, it's in your, your shoes. It's in your socks. You drop your phone in the sand. Good luck. Yeah, it's in, every, it's in, it's in places that you didn't even know you had on your body, we're not going to talk about those places, but the sand finds its way there. And we will pay good money to sit in a chair in the sand to hear the waves and watch the waves crash onto the shore. How about Niagara Falls? You ever been there? It's amazing. It's almost majestic to watch the water pour over the falls. It's, it's amazing. And so throughout this, this course of time as water has kind of just seemed to pop off the pages of scripture and I've just been even seeing things on TV or hearing things on the radio or whatever, just this theme, again, I wasn't actively pursuing these words to put, um, to wrap this, this thought, this feeling, I, I wasn't actively pursuing it, but the Lord just kind of brought it all together through the course of all of this 
And he dropped this in my spirit, and I hope that this resonates with you the way that it has resonated with me. And, and by the way, today is a day where if you, I heard, somebody, I heard somebody preach this a long time ago. They said, this church is a hollaback church. So I'm just telling you, I, I need somebody to get today like the way that I've got it in my spirit. And I've been praying all since Thursday, since the Lord deposited this into my spirit. I said, Lord, let me articulate this the way that you've explained it to me to where it's not just me that grabs a hold of this, but our church grabs a hold of this and runs with it with everything that we have. And here's what the Lord dropped into my spirit. Are you ready? This little phrase, and it's the title of a song. And I would sing it, but Carrie Underwood sings it much better than me. There's something in the water. I said, what, Lord? I said, what? And he started singing. No, he didn't start singing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I felt, Brad, there's, there's something in the water, there, there, there's something brewing, there's something stirring, and I don't know if you've been feeling it, but I've had a lot of conversations with people throughout the course of this year, and they're just, they're telling me, Pastor Brad, I, I don't really know exactly what I'm feeling, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but there's something, there, there, the winds of the Spirit are blowing in our lives, and I'm sensing something. And I just come to tell you on this spring break Sunday that I feel in my spirit the mist of revival falling. And let me tell you, it goes beyond that because not only do I just feel that, but I see the mist turning to raindrops. And I see the raindrops intensity beginning to pick up and I see puddles beginning to form on the ground. And then I see puddles moving to pools and pools moving to rivers. I see the river of living water flowing like it hasn't flowed in a long time in our city and in our state and in our country. There's something in the water and I hope that you can feel it. I hope in the spiritual sense that you can feel that something is moving and changing. Numbers chapter 21, I find myself, I find myself singing what the children of Israel sang in Numbers chapter 21. The, the Bible says this, that they continued on to bear the well where the Lord said to Moses. So they, they made it back to a place where the Lord it said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. And then Israel sang this song, spring up, oh well. This is, this is how I'm feeling. I'm waking up in the morning with this expectation in my heart saying, spring up, oh well. Lord, I don't know exactly what you're gonna do. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I want you to spring. I wanna be right in the middle of what you're doing and I want it to flow out from me. I want it to flow out from this spring up, oh well. Imagine, imagine digging a hole in the earth only four feet wide, being lowered on a ladder in the dark, a narrow passageway down nearly 1,285 feet. That's a quarter of a mile deep with only a candle for a light. 
It's deeper than the height of the Empire State Building and 850 feet below sea level. Imagine only using hand tools to chip away at stone and earth, only to pile it into buckets to be raised to the top, one bucket at a time. And imagine doing that for 24 hours a day for four solid years. That's how the Wooding Dean well was dug, the deepest well, hand-dug water well in the world located in the UK. The, The digging would take place from 1858 to 1862, and when they reached water, history says that it it sent the people scrambling because as water began to bubble up, it didn't just bubble up, but it started to burst out, sending a fountain from the earth into the sky above and in the spirit realm. Can I tell you, this is what I see for this house. I know it's a spring break Sunday, but I have a feeling that we are tapping into something Come on, can you feel it? Do you feel it in your spirit? Or am I the only one that, come on, if I'm the only one that feels it, we're not gonna make a dent in this city. I need us to grab a hold of it and run with it. Spring up, oh well. I need you to wake up in the morning crying, spring up, oh well. Lord, I don't know what you wanna do in me, but spring up, oh well. Do something fresh and new in my life. There's something in the water we're tapping into in the spirit. We're we're tapping into something that is bigger than ourselves. We're tapping into the waters of revival. And I I, I wanna share with you the way that the Lord has been bringing all of this into play in my spirit. And and it's kind of the way that I I see the church. And not, not, I'm talking to our church, okay? There's a lot of other amazing churches in our city and our state. Please understand that. But I'm talking to how I feel like the Lord has shared this with me for our church. And I want to I share with you on this concept of wells and how, what they represent and what they mean in the word of God. Because I see our church as a well of sorts. Here's the first thing that you have to understand is that wells always represented supply and provision. They always represented supply and provision. And we don't live on farms anymore, at least most of us. Some of you might still live on farms, but you gotta grab a hold of this. Back in the day, when when people did live on farms and they were trying to figure out, right, when they were settling our land, they they would try to find, they had to find where water was before they said, this is the piece of land that we're gonna build a place to raise our family. If water was not in the area, they bypassed it because land had no value if it wasn't connected to a source of water. Communities were built around wells. And can I tell you what I see in my spirit and what I feel like the Lord is beginning to show me is that I see people who have never known the Lord in their life starting to build their life for the very first time. They're being drawn to a well. They're being drawn to the presence of God. And they're saying, you know what, sweetheart? I don't even know why, but we're gonna build and raise our family around this well because something 
there's something down there. <laughs> there, there. There's something moving. There's something that I may not be able to explain. I may not know exactly what it even means, but I feel something and I'm being drawn to a well. Numbers 21 we just read it a moment ago. We see the Israelites, they're on the move, constantly on the move. They go to a place, they camp out, they wake up, they go to another place, camp out, and they move time and time and time and time again. But as the journey goes on, they get to this well where the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. And they begin to sing, spring up, oh well. So now we have a picture of people who know what it is to be around a well. They know what it is to see God move around a well. They know what it means to, to have an experience at a well. See, they, they traveled to a place where God had previously provided miraculous water in the past, and it caused them to sing. Can I tell you, not only do I see people who have always been far from God, never had a relationship with the Lord, being drawn to a well, but can I tell you, I see prodigals coming back home, individuals who have known what it is to have a relationship with the Lord, but for some other reason, they walked away from the well, and now they're being reminded again of a place in time. They may be at their lowest of lows laying on their back, but in their mind and in their spirit, they're being reminded of a time when they were around a well, when God did something miraculous in their life, when they had joy like they haven't had in a long time. <laughs> and I see them singing, spring up a well in me again. Spring, I know I've been far from you, but spring up anew in me, a well. A well represents opportunity. The well may be small in size. It may only be four feet wide, but never forget it is connected to a massive underground supply. I see the church as a place where people are being drawn saying, listen, this is, this is the place. This is the place we gotta get, and I can't even, they're like me. They, they can't put their finger on why. But they know, they, they feel this, this thing in their spirit that is drawing them, that, that we're gonna find ourselves. This is a place where we can be and receive things a supply and provision for our life that we've been searching for in so many different areas, in so many different ways, and we've been left empty, and we've been left robbed. It promised one thing, but never delivered what it promised, but I feel in my spirit they're sensing, listen, what this promises, it will deliver because it's not about man, it's not about you, and it's not about me, because he always, always delivers on his promise. Here's the second thing that I gotta share with you today. I gotta move quick. That you have to understand about, about wells, and it's this, is that they represented a place where the broken and the hurting were seen. In Genesis chapter 16, we see the heartbreaking story of Hagar, who was the surrogate for Sarah in a way, and her and, and Abram couldn't get pregnant. And when, when Hagar finds out that she's pregnant, Sarah's attitude 
Her attitude towards Sarah began to worsen. She was rude. She was awful. And in, in return, Sarah was the same way. And, and, and so much so that Hagar was under their care and living with them, but so much so that she ends up running away. And in Genesis 16, verse 7, tells us this, that the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Where did she find her? Near a spring in the desert. And he tells her this, he says, listen, you've got to return home and make this right. And when you do this, verse 10 says, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord would go on to prophesy about the son that she is pregnant with and watch what she says. She's out at a spring, at a well, and she's broken and she feels lost. She feels like nobody cares and nobody sees. And she says this, she said, you are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well. She renamed the well. After Hagar's encounter with God, the location became named the well of the one who lives and sees me. Can I tell you, I hope that you're ready for this. I hope that you're ready for broken and hurting people to walk in this door every week. I hope, I hope that you're ready for people who can't seem to get it together, who, who they seem like life has never given them an opportunity, who everyone has overlooked them. Can I tell you, I see, I see the, the broken and the hurting being drawn to a well. Because when they, when they get to a well, they can have an encounter with God. And when they leave, they walk in broken and hurting, but they can leave healed and whole. I don't know if you're in the room. You, you might be in the room today. And you feel like nobody has ever cared about your situation. Can I tell you, you're in the right spot, not because of a preacher or a band or, or lights and not, none of that, but because of the source, because of the source, the water that this house is connected to. There's something in the water, a place where people can gather broken and hurting, but leave a different way that they came in where they can, they can feel loved and cared about and find compassion and have an encounter with God where they know without a shadow of, they don't even know what it is, but they know they felt something and they may not be able to explain it, but they're gonna walk out of here and they're gonna be able to tell people, man, I don't know what it was, but that was the place I had an encounter with God where I was seen for the first time when my parents didn't see me, when my friends didn't see me. The third thing you have to understand about, by the way, let me tell you this, broken and hurting and lost in sin, when they walk in here, it doesn't mean that we validate their sin. Let me just be clear, right? We, 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 don't, we don't validate their sin. 
but we love them right where they are. And we say, you know what? Come on, come on in. Come on in. Come on. There's, there's something in the way. And when you, when you get close to the well, when you get close to his presence, we love you so much that we're going to do everything that we can to not move you where we want you to be. It doesn't matter where we want you to be. We're going to help move you where God wants you to be. And that, that, that's the whole point, that we're going to help move people into a place that God wants them to be in life. And the third thing that I want you to understand about a well and about this house and what God is showing me is that this is a place where salvation will be found. That's Isaiah chapter 12, verse three. Therefore, with joy, you will draw from the wells of salvation. I want to turn your attention to a very familiar passage of scripture found in John chapter four. If you've been around church for any length of time, you're very familiar with this. If you've not been around church and you don't know this story, let me introduce to you to such an amazing story that if you will lock in for just a moment, I think it's going to change the way you think about some things. But in John chapter four, we see Jesus going out of his way to meet a Samaritan woman whom culturally he had no business meeting with for multiple reasons. A, she was a Samaritan. B, she was a woman. C, she had been married five times and was currently living with the sixth who wasn't actually her husband. And Jesus goes out of his way to set up an appointment with her. And do you know where he waits for her? Well, well, well. I almost titled this message, Saved by the Well. Uh, you'll catch that in a minute. He meets her and he's waiting for her at Jacob's well. And I'm gonna give you like the, the times five speed version of the story, okay? So stay with me. It goes something like this. Jesus asks her for water. She freaks out like, why are you talking to me, Jesus? To which Jesus replies, ma'am, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would be the one asking for living water, to which she kind of rolls her eyes and she makes this statement, this is hilarious. She goes, well, you're at a well and you don't even have anything to draw water with. Like she's being a smart aleck here and Jesus is like, oh, I, I see where you're at. Okay, this is good. And then Jesus tells her this, everyone who drinks the water that you're drinking from will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give them will, will never thirst again. Indeed, the water that I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then Jesus would continue and he would read her mail. I mean, just, and she's like, how did you know? And then, then, then watch, 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 watch. This is, this is powerful. Verse 25, the woman said, love this. This is actually so funny. The woman says, she's talking to Jesus, mind you. I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. Jesus, woman, she's telling him this. Can you, can you imagine can you imagine being her and hearing what, he, what he's about to tell her? This, this is what he shares. Jesus says to her, I, the one speaking to you, 
I am he. I, I'm the one that you've heard about. I'm the one that you're talking about right now. Yeah, that's me. Can you imagine the look on her face? <laughs> oh, like, how did I miss that? You know, like, you ever had those moments? And you know what? You know what this leads her to do? This is, this is so amazing, and it's so powerful. The Bible says that after she leaves Jesus... Like once she finds this information out, she drops her water jar and she goes back into town. And you know what she does? She's door knocking. She is knocking on every door, screaming at the top of her lungs. Hey, 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 just listen. I know you're watching TV. I know March Madness is about to come on, but you got to press pause on it. You can get back to Netflix later. You got to listen. I just met a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. And I'm pretty sure that it's the Messiah. You, you, you got to come see. He just, he just did something for me that nobody else has ever done for me. I, I just had an encounter at a well. And you got to get over here. And would you, would you know, isn't, y'all, isn't it amazing what happens when you ask? The power of your testimony, the power of your invite the power of you sharing, hey, listen, I met, a, I met a Jesus one day and he radically changed my life. It's amazing what happens when you ask people, especially around Easter season. You know how, how more likely they are to come with you to church around this time of the year? I wonder if you'll have the courage to say something this season. Because watch what happens. This is, this is, if you don't think your testimony is powerful, you got to watch this. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him. They put their faith in him. They trusted in him because of the woman's testimony. Because she told them, he, he told me everything, man. I had an encounter. And watch, 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 watch. After, after they went... Watch what they said. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We have now heard for ourselves. And we know that we know that this man is the savior of the world. Yeah, yeah. there's something. And she could feel it. There was something stirring in her spirit. And she didn't even know exactly who was standing next to her. But she knew that something was different, even if she couldn't put her thumb on it. And she had to go tell everybody about it. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. We are not the water that flows beneath the surface of the ground. That's not you and that's not me. That's not us. We understand who that is and what that represents, but can I tell you, you gotta hear me closely and I hope you grab a hold of this today. What we are is a conduit that leads people to the water. As a well, let me ask you, is your life helping lead people to the water? 
Or is your life leading people away from the water? When you encounter somebody, do they walk away thinking, man, I would love to know the Jesus that they know, or do they leave saying, wow, that person's a Christian? I'm out. You and I, this church is a conduit to the living water, to a source that is so much greater than us. And I want to ask you, will you allow your life to be a conduit? Will you allow the Lord to use you? And you can say, no, that's fine. But I want you to know, and I'm saying this as serious as I can, I want you to know that somebody's eternity is on the other side of your decision. There's somebody who's waiting to say yes to Jesus. They didn't even know a Jesus existed. They could, if, if he was standing next to them, they couldn't identify him. But they're feeling something in their, there's something in the water and they don't even know how to describe it. And they're waiting for somebody to run in from their encounter with the Lord and knock on doors and in their communities and say, hey, I met a man that you need to meet because he'll do for you what he did for me. Would you stand with me all across the room today? See, as church people, we we have our cups filled up. The question is, the living water shouldn't just stay to the top for us. It's got to flow out of our lives when we're at work. When we're with our families, when we're in, in our neighborhoods with kids' sports, the living water should be overflowing your cup to where people look on and they see your life. They see the way that you handle difficult situations and how you interact with your spouse and your kids and your neighbors. And they say, wow, what, where have they been drinking from? I need to get to that source because they got something that I don't know. They got a joy that I've never had in my life before. Let me tell you this really, really quickly. Just like on a farm, this church, or any church for that matter, has no value if it is not connected to the source of living water. If you're content and comfortable with coming in on a Sunday morning and checking a box and saying, hey, we came, we did it, woohoo, I'm so great, I'm amazing. Can I tell you what we have there is a country club. This is not, this is not a country club. This is a place where broken and hurting people can gather and be, they can receive something that they've never received before. It's a place of supply and a place of provision. It's a place of salvation. And I gotta tell you this before I dismiss you. You need to know this, that the need for living water will never go away while we're on this earth. It will never go away while we were on this earth. It doesn't matter how how crazy our world gets. It doesn't matter how wild culture gets. It will never go away. People will always thirst for the living water. 
It's why we try so many things and are never satisfied. And it's where society is today. We try and we try and we try. We're we're trying to quench that thirst and our mouth is still dry. Nothing can quench the thirst of your spirit like the living water. And let me tell you where we are in society right now. I feel this so strongly. We have a culture that thought that they could live, and listen, dare I say, even even Christians, that thought that they could live and thrive without water in their life. See, just because I know where water is doesn't mean that it's sustaining me. My mama drank water. Woo, she drank it. It's not sustaining you. And what we're seeing right now, we're seeing it all over the country, little pockets here and there. The mist of revival is beginning to fall. Outbreaks, churches, not even in churches, college campuses. God is beginning to move. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the mist is turning to raindrops. And I want to know if anybody else can feel it in their spirit. I want to know if there's anybody that is hungry for a move of God. Anybody that's hungry for church unusual. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell real quick. I got to let you go. You got to go eat. I know. You know how you have a well? You keep digging. You don't, you got to get hungry for the presence of God and you got to keep digging and saying, Lord, we're not done until we feel your presence. We're going to get this out of here. We want you in a new and a fresh way. And here's what's going to happen. Listen, the enemy and the enemy has done a great job in some of your lives already. You've been connected to the well, but you've allowed junk to get in the well and clog the conduit. You got to keep digging and say, nah, you're, you're not going to block the flow of the living water in my life. You got to keep digging. Now, I got to tell you, I did it accidentally in first service. Not accidentally, but I didn't plan on doing it and I did it. I'm going to do it in this service because you guys, I don't want y'all to miss out. 21 days of prayer, I felt so strongly this expectation And the four weeks following Easter, here's what I want. Here's, here's the question I'm gonna ask you today. I don't know the needs, all the needs of the people in this house. I don't know what you need God to do in your life. Some of it's, it's relationally. You need God to perform a miracle in your marriage or you're not gonna make it. You need a healing, physical healing. The doctors have given you a report that you don't have long to live. Some of you can't have children and you wanna have children. Some of you are struggling with diabetes and you're sick and tired of it. And you say, Lord, this is not what you have for me. Some of you are dealing with with mental issues and things in your mind. And you're saying, Lord, I need help. I need strength. And here's my question for you. Can you believe God to do a miracle in your life? Listen, I I know it's a few weeks away. But the four weeks following Easter, we're gonna go into a series and it's not even about the content. 
But we're going to do a four weeks on belief for it. And we're, oh, some of y'all ain't going to like me, but that's okay. We're going to go old school. What I mean by that, everything is going to be decent and in order. So don't worry about that. But we're going to lay some hands on some people. And we're just going to believe God. God, I don't know what you want to do, but I know you're moving. I know there's something in the water. I feel it in my spirit, and we're going to trust you. So over the next four weeks, I need you to believe. I need you to walk in here expecting God to do something. I need you to invite people, and we're going to believe. Listen, again, we're just going to let God do what God wants to do. Is everybody okay with that? You all right with that?